As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey everybody, Arthur Staple, back from a week-long travel hiatus. Uh, I was out there in Western Canada with the Rangers, but I wasn't able to really jump on to sit down and do the podcast, unfortunately. But Steve Valiquet, my able co-host, was uh, was able to lock it down last week. Steve, how you doing? Welcome back, Arthur. Oh. Uh, Chris and I were debating on whether we needed you. I don't know. I, don't know. Chris, I, I almost <laughs> got Wally pipped out of the lineup there. That's how uh, that's we're all replaceable. That's that right. That's how it starts. That's how it starts. And and Chris Flannery, our producer, is going to jump on for the last segment, uh, holding down the fort as he did so well as my co-host for last season. So uh, maybe maybe it's more getting Chris back in the mix after we've had him on IR for a little bit. But uh, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. It was a busy week last week. Uh, three games out in Western Canada, two zero and one. Some some wild ones. Uh, in Vancouver and Edmonton, and Calgary was uh, was also kind of a wild one, a little bit different sort of pace to it, where we expected maybe some fireworks that didn't really happen. Uh, and then kind of the, at least for me, somewhat expected letdown game, even though you wouldn't even, a game where you have 51 shots is not really a letdown when they got back to the Garden after being away for a week. Um, got goalied a bit by Connor Hellebuck, who's been really on his game, and especially in the back half of back-to-back. First regulation loss in almost a month. and. Here we are. And also Tyler Mott making his return to the Rangers. So like I said, a lot going on. Steve, these games, um, you know, they have Vladimir Tarasenko on the lineup. They have Nico Mikola. Now they have Tyler Mott. Uh, and this team is high powered, you know, and, and uh, Gerard Gallant, I was in practice just a little while ago and, and Gerard Gallant was asked, like, do you like, you know, do you want to get away from the trading chances situation that you're in? And Gallant said, no, this is when we're good. And it's it's a definite change from last season when I think they felt like they needed to be a lot tighter defensively. Now it seems like they want to have the puck, they want to get up the ice, they want to be fast, they want to you know want to cycle in the offensive zone, and obviously they want to be concerned about you know keeping the puck out of their own end and out of their own net. 
But the the mindset of this team right now seems to be very different than it was at this time last year. What do you think? Well, yeah, I agree. You've got big guns, so you might as well gun. I want to I want to say that you still have to be careful though, because this is the one thing that's really kind of jumped off the page for me recently. And I've watched a lot of video on this and it's the New York Rangers transition rush against. And every team has something right now at this point in the season where they're trying to address whether it's in the lineup or how they play style of play, understanding situational play, getting ready for the playoffs. If there was one negative to me that really has to be brought to everybody's attention, it's how many chances they give up off the rush against after being able to maybe take that opportunity offensively, but turning it over at the offensive blue line, turning it over at your defensive blue line, the red line, getting on the wrong side of the puck. There's so many different details as to why teams are, I guess, susceptible to being able to be a team that's easy to play against in transition. Because in transition, you're, it's so difficult to get your footing defensively for everybody to get on the same page. And I'm just going over my notes from the six goals allowed off transition recently since the break. And it has all of those little details in it. One of them's a bad change against uh, Seattle. Another one is forwards on the wrong side of the puck in the first game against Calgary. And, you know, I talked about the blue line, the offensive uh, zone as well as the defensive zone. But I think that the Rangers have to understand that they are giving up more goals off the rush in transition than anybody else in the league right now. They've allowed 24. That's more than anybody. And although 24 might not seem like a big number in the big scheme of things, I've always felt like those are those game-shifting moment type goals where you give it away and they counter and they score and it's typically off of an odd man rush or a breakaway. I just think the Rangers have to, like you talk about adding Tarasenko, right, Arthur? And now you've got Panarin and you've got Tarasenko and Zibanejad sometimes on a line together and they want to play a certain way. And, you know, if that's the line they go with, then maybe it's not. And maybe it's going to be Trocek and Panarin and We'll find out who on the right side consistently. I don't. I don't know, but I'm. I'm pretty certain that as a team, they have to take care of the puck just a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's almost you know we, we're going to get into this in the in the last segment when we talk about whatever other moves or maybe one more move that Chris Jury has in mind. Um, and certainly, you know, Patrick Kane still sounds like he wants to be a Ranger. I don't know how they fit him in. Uh, it seems kind of far-fetched right now, but even if you're talking about anybody beyond maybe a, a number four center to add or just a, a solid fourth liner, where guys play and who they play with and how they play um, is something that I think gets a little lost this time of year where you're looking to upgrade, you have the ability, everybody's feeling good about the the pieces that Chris Drury has added. They've slotted people into some of the right spots, but it takes time. And it, and this this part of their game is uh, is going to be an important part. Maybe not in the rest of the regular season. They seem pretty locked into a playoff spot. They seem locked into second, third. You know, it'll it'll be they'd have to go on another crazy run to to win the division. But um, you know, these next whatever twenty some odd games are really about figuring out what works best and shoring up some of those problems with their new guys in the lineup. And uh, you know, that's a challenge for Gerard Gallant because, like you said, they've got. Tarasenko there who wants to play a certain way and sees the big names that he's playing with now and says like, oh yeah, we can just go, go, go. And we'll worry about the other stuff some other time. But 
this, the other stuff is what's going to crop up in a seven game series and how you get exploited pretty quickly. It will. And, and you know what else too, just to add to that is that the safe percentage for the goalies, both Halak and Shesterkin is the lowest in the league off of transition rush against. So it's not fitting for your goalies either. That right. may not be the strength of where they are right now. And, you know, it's kind of bizarre too, because back to the Calgary game, the first goal of the game, which was seconds, I think it was 18 seconds into the game, was off transition, right? And it was a offensive blue line turnover. And then the Rangers had another turnover seconds after the first goal on the second goal that was also a transition rush goal. So it wasn't like there was a full reset. Now, yes, you might be able to say in Calgary, on the road, emotions, you know, these things, but that's what the playoffs is, right? Yeah. And I just think that, I think this team's terrific. I think they're a contender. I'm positive all the way. I just hope they're paying attention to managing the puck the right way and playing. When people always talk about, you hear it on the t- all the time on TV, and, and we certainly talk about it on the podcast, but details, habits, paying attention to these things, doing all the small things, it's it's all the cl- cliche speak. But when you watch the video, that's all what, That's all these goals. They're, I'm serious. Every one of them, I'm like, oh, God, offensive blue line turnover, defensive blue line turnover, on the wrong side of the puck, you know, pizza up the middle. But, <laughs> but it's mostly just careless, right? Yeah. So these are those shoot-yourself-in-the-foot moments that I know the Rangers can avoid, and I hope they're just paying attention to those things and talking the right way about managing the puck the right way just so that they – step into the playoffs with the right mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And not to, you know, like we said, this, this loss on, on Monday was their first in regulation and since the middle of January. So um, they are doing some, some things right. I want to highlight one player in particular, I think in this stretch has been uh, markedly better than he'd been before that. And that's Vincent Trocek. And I feel like where we were wondering not that long ago on the podcast, even when the team was had turned things around from the from early December, that more where does this guy fit? He was playing more of like a third line, like a veteran checking line role with with Kreider and either Goodrow or VC for a little while there to kind of get his footing. And then the game in Carolina, where Gallant flops Panarin and Kreider and puts Panarin with with Trocheck, and it, something seemed to click for for Trocheck in that game. And I feel like no matter who he's playing with five on five, even getting a little more power play time on the second unit now where he's been dropped from the first unit for a little bit. Um, it just seems to be, you're seeing, I think these last six, seven, eight games with him, you're seeing the player that the Rangers identified as someone who could fit as their number two center, who's a little bit more of a physical presence than Ryan Strom, a little bit more skilled than Andrew Kopp, and that, you know, the guy that maybe they committed a little too long in seven years to, but but a guy who who seems adaptable to playing with with skilled players or adaptable to playing with more straight ahead players. And I think that's been a big positive change for them these last few weeks. Yeah. It's I, it's a number of things too, isn't it? Because the kid line, I think they gave, they gave him a push, you know, they yeah. gave Trocek a push a little bit. And I think that competitiveness is great. I think Tarasenko on that line with Panarin and Trocek, when they're together, I think that Tarasenko gives Panarin a bit of a push, a bit of a wake up call. And it's almost like the enthusiasm since getting back after the all-star break is what's really propelled the team. And they have an overall uh, zest for the game. They almost seem giddy out there to me. And I think that's just a product of 
a little bit of internal competition too with the power play being split up. Everybody's trying to find their roles. I, I'm sure Tarasenko wants to be on the first unit. And, and I, I just think that everybody's got a bit of internal competition, which is always healthy if everybody is in it together because what are they doing? They're fighting for minutes to, to want to be on the ice, to want to be the guy that's over the boards with a few minutes to go and they want to close a lead. And I'm sure Trocek wants to be the guy taking that face off. You know, and yeah. I think that's the neat thing. Um, he's playing a straightaway game right now. He's reading off Panarin better. The game in Carolina was when it really broke loose. And he was finding Panarin where Panarin wants to receive the puck in stride and he's willing to shoot. And I, a lot of this with Panarin too, and same with Tarasenko, you have to know them and their behavior coming in with speed over the offensive blue line. And it takes a little while. It takes a little while to get to know these guys because – as Trocek gets in over the offensive blue line, what's his instinct? It should be to get to the net and, and drive the defenseman back. But sometimes if those two guys are going to be really risky when together, he's got to hang back. He's got yeah. to be the F3. So I think there's a lot of the defensive responsibilities that can cut at least early in his season into his mindset from, can I go and produce and get known for that? Or do I have to hang back? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So we'll transition now to a topic that we've discussed an awful lot on this podcast, especially early in the year when he wasn't playing as well. And then we kind of let it slide because he went back to being the dominant goalie that he's been for the last couple of years for a stretch of about a month or so. But now we're back to a place with Igor Shesterkin where um, I guess the question is, do we have to worry about this guy? And I'll lead into it with you, Steve, by touting uh, on clear sight. You are as giddy as I've ever heard you about this new page <laughs> that you have on your site that I'm looking at right now. Uh, it's basically a quality start page for goalies, and it breaks down into a few different categories, and you can tell the listeners as 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 succinctly as you can what it means and what some of the numbers that stand out for Igor Shesterkin right now that are not that great and kind of make you think when you hear Igor saying after a game how terrible he was or how his confidence is shot and people are saying like the wins are there, the save percentage isn't great, but it's not terrible. But some of these digging deep numbers on your site uh, tell a bit of a more a story that's more in line with how he feels about his game. You're right, Arthur. I've been waiting for this page for about a year, and it's seven categories of how to really describe the goalie's performance relative to what he faced in the game and also what the opposition has faced so that we can get an idea of did the goalie steal the game? Was it a game that the team saved him on? And the different categories are great game, quality game, average game, bad game. And then it's blown game where a goalie Bailed out game where the team overperforms by a goal and a half when your goalie underperforms by a goal and a half. And you can imagine that when the goalie performs at one and a half goals below what is expected, that's like the goalie that should have allowed a goal and a half, but he allows three. And 
When you look at these different measures, including stolen win, which I think is one of my all-time favorites, the team that is supposed to lose by one or more goals and the goalie outperforms his expected goals by one or more gets credited with a stolen win. And we can start there because that was a big part of our narrative last year where Shesterkin had six stolen wins. And this season, he doesn't have any. And for the folks that are listening that do watch the Twitter releases that I put out, just keep in mind that those always have the posts included. And there's a little tag in the bottom right-hand corner of that page that is exclude the post or include them. For that, because it's a game summary and it's a scoring chance summary of the game, we include the post. But when we evaluate the goalies in the league and we want to have an apples-to-apples -apples comparison, we don't have the posts included because we want to account for the ones that are actually saved. Mm -hmm. And I thought the most interesting one out of all of these seven categories of, of the goalie new data that we have is the goalie being bailed out by his team. Because this season, Igor Shosturkin now leads the league. He's been bailed out by the Rangers seven times. And last season, he was only bailed out twice the entire year. And I think that really reflects what we've seen so far. He's not performing at his best. The team is playing terrific. And last year, especially in October, November, December, that would have been the polar opposite. And this is where we're at right now. And, you know, you can wonder a few different things. You can wonder if um, if the load has been too much or, you know, he had, a, I mentioned on the telecast the other night that he had a child in the summer. <laughs> and there's a lot of different ways that you can look at these things. And, you know, you're just trying to find out what's going to make Igor get back to Igor because it's clear that he's not playing at his level and we've seen him at such a master level and at such a historic high last year that even seeing him as an above average league goalie which he's been this year he's been above he's been above average it's not like he's league average or below right but even seeing him above league average is hard for us because we're so used to seeing the elite and the guy that's going to steal games for your team and be a factor so my thing is this, if I look back on my own personal time with the Rangers, I didn't play when Henrik wasn't playing well. I didn't play because it was known in the room, like we got to get Hank going. He's our guy. We got to yeah. get him going and he's going to carry us. So I understood when Hank had a few games that weren't whatever his, his level, then I didn't play. So I even cheered harder. Because the better he played, the more often I got to play. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, that's the way it is. And, and I know that Henrik always played himself out of, out of that. He, he never really hit slumps. And I don't even really want to call Igor as a slump. But he's definitely performing below his level. But I think you got to play him out of this right now. Like, they've got a three and four coming up. They've got all these. They've got a lot of games. But still, to me, I'm saying to myself, you know what? Why not? Go seven games right now with Igor and just let him play himself back to himself. And I think that's the only way you're going to do it right now because he's behind the play and the chain of command for goalie is imagine like we're holding a, a chain together here and all of those links that are very important to what happens at the end, the shot on goal, those have to be intact. You've got to locate, you've got to beat the pass, you've got to get to your post. You got to read where the next play is coming, track the pass one more time, set your feet, make a save, stay connected on the rebound. But all of those links have to be intact for you to be successful. And there's massive breakdown early 
in the sequence for him right now, which is why he's not showing up as himself on the release. Now, the one thing that's you have in common, you and Hank had with Igor right now, is Benoit Allaire. And as Gerard Gallant says often when we ask who's playing net, why is this rotation happening? He basically says, this is what Benny recommended. Is Benny, because he recommended that with Hank so those years ago, is he still going to have that recommendation of Igor needs to play more? And is that that kind of something that gives you a little bit of comfort to know that they're not going to the coaching staff and it's through no, you know, co- it, they're human beings too. When they see a goalie struggling, they've got Halak who's winning games. Maybe they start to say, well, we'll go with the guy that's playing well because we want to bank some points. Do you feel like that's a debate that it, Benoit is, is very practiced in and will have an influence over? The only difference I'd say, Arthur, is that Henrik, he really proved that he never got hurt. Like, unless it was a fluke. Like, he mm-hmm. took that puck in the neck, which was a fluke. Or Henrik was so durable. You know, and that's what funny thing, too, is where people say to me, well, you only played uh, 12 or 15 games a year. I'm like, yeah, because the guy I was playing with was the best in the world, and he never got hurt, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> so so I just wonder, and I'm not going to speak for Benny, and I wouldn't ask him this, but would he be a little concerned with giving Igor a run of seven games the way that he did with Lundqvist because of durability? Because Igor has gotten through the last year and a half extremely durable, but early on in his career, we were concerned with his groins and he had some lower body issues. So that would be the only question mark there. Okay. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I imagine that three and four, if we see Igor play two of them, whether it's the, you know tomorrow night in Detroit and then one of the weekend games, maybe that'll be enough for him. But uh, but yeah, this uh, this page that you have now is uh, is worth getting excited about and and it's uh, I'll definitely be dropping some well, s- some stats the, from there. Well, check this, this out too, right, Arthur? Those all of those columns there, they can all be clicks, so you can see the rankings from top to bottom. And then on the right side, it populates all of the games, so you can yeah. cross-reference those games as well. I, I love this page. I mean, yeah, <laughs> giddy! Oh my goodness, pumped! <laughs> <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, so now uh, we're going to bring in Chris Flannery, producer, uh, Super Ranger fan, great guy, all around. Uh, done a great job producing both of the both of the hockey podcasts that I've done over the my time at the Athletic. Chris, what's going on, my friend? Ah, oh, thank you so much for the uh, wonderful intro. I really appreciate it. Well, yeah, you deserve buddy. it. You, you're the one who makes this show operate so smoothly. So uh, we're going to talk about some more trades. Tyler Mod is here. Um, we didn't really get into that. I think it's 
you know, the the fact that he's back after last year, kind of an obvious situation. The Rangers liked what he did in the playoffs last year. They wanted to sign him. Couldn't really make it work with the cap space. He ended up getting a deal from Ottawa. He went there, had a good start, got hurt. Not a great run. Ottawa's not a great team. He was always on their radar. So here he is back again. Julian Gauthier goes out. Um, but I think everybody here, all three of us can say, there may be still one forward away from feeling complete. And that's, you know, Chris Drury brought in four pieces at the deadline last year, had lots of cap space and lots of assets. It's a different situation now, but still the same kind of need. Um, as I said, Scott Powers, our Hawks writer, and I put a little post up earlier about if there's a Patrick Kane deal to be made, is it possible? It's very complicated right now. And obviously there's the sticking point of, does this guy want to come in and be a second line right wing and a second power play unit guy. Do you have do you have enough pucks to go around for all these talented guys? <laughs> Chris, you're our Ranger, our resident Ranger fan. What do you want to see before between now and March 3rd that Chris Drury does for his last move before the the deadline comes? Yeah, you know, uh well first of all, I think it's great that the the Tyler Mott is back in the fold. I think that's an important guy on any contender uh you know, team that has a a chance to win a Stanley Cup. He does so much kills penalties, energy, draws penalties, physical, you know, I mean, he, he does a little bit of everything. So I think that was a great add in addition to Tarasenko. You know, if you had asked me two weeks ago or whatever, after the Tarasenko trade, I would have said, you know, I think they're good. I think they need a fourth line center, uh, maybe a little more size, maybe somebody like a Nick Bukestad. I know Nick Benino kind of been mentioned in that role. And I think, you know, I think that makes sense still if that's, you know, the only thing that the the Rangers do when you start to talk about Patrick Kane as, as a potential option, obviously there's a lot of hurdles to that. It is, I guess, still technically possible, you know, and Chris Drew would have to figure that out. Um, the, the other night, uh, Jimmy VZ was on a line and he had a number of chances, six, <laughs> yeah. seven chances. And I'm watching and and he's, he's missing the net or it's a, a big save. And it just puck just wasn't going in. And, and I, you know, we've talked about it. I think we talked about it last week, Steve, when we were talking about uh, Vitaly Kravtsov asking uh, for the trade. I was saying a lot of people have complained about Jimmy Vesey being in the top six, the top nine, and I think he's played his role perfectly. I think he's been great for the Rangers. I think he's still going to be great for the Rangers, even if they don't add anybody else. But but watching that, it's like, man, you start to think about a game six, a game seven, late in a, late in a playoff game, you want somebody that's going to be able to put those pucks in the net because – Chances are at a premium in the playoffs. Everybody's defense tightens up. Everybody, you know, comes back to the net. So when you start talking about a guy like Patrick Kane, who you know has been there, who you know can do it, one of the great American goal scorers of all time, great players. Um, yeah, would I like to see the Rangers try to add uh, a Patrick Kane if possible? Of course, you you know you want to have all the weapons um, you can going into the playoffs because it can come down to who makes that one shot and who does it. Um, you know, but. Whether it's possible or not, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? Um, you know what, guys? While you were talking there, Chris, Vinny Trocek is a minus nine six six in expected goals, which means he mm. should have ten more than he does based on the chances that he's had on goal. And and we can see from watching the games that Vinny gets a ton of chances. So that's that's worst in the league. Okay, and also just outsider. Yeah, just outside the top 10, I think it's 11 here, is Jimmy Vesey, and he's a minus six. Yep. So we have two Rangers basically inside that top 10 there in the league. And that's why, and it's a part of the reason why the expected goals for the team is not meeting 
what they should have in actual goals. And I don't know if you want two of those guys in your top six. And that's spoken from an analytic perspective. Yeah, I, the, I think the main thing that would hold me back, other than the hoops that Chris Ray is going to have to jump through, is like kind of outlined in this little story we put up. Pat, they they got to get the Hawks to retain fifty percent of Kane's cap hit, which is ten point five million, and then they got to find another team to retain fifty percent of that. So to get it down to but two two six and a quarter, that costs an asset. You're not really willing to give up a ton of assets in this deal. Regardless, this deal would only happen if Patrick Kane went to the Hawks and said, make a deal with the Rangers, which according which to is people, happening, which it's is happening. what is which is what is happening. So, Arthur, still- wouldn't you do that, though? Why not go for it, man? You're the, the window's open. Go for it. This might be your best chance. And why not? And we just saw that Toronto was able to pull that off getting Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, but the Rangers did. Rangers had the chance to do that. And they chose Tarasenko over. Well, maybe that. they just to- chose Tarasenko first. Maybe get that done and then find everything. No, seriously. Like, I mean, that's the way I'm hoping he's looking at it. You know, if you, if you do that and then you have this top six, you're talking about transition defense. Patrick Kane is not known for the 200 foot game. He's certainly got enough in his resume to say, you don't need to be. Well, don't, don't you think in game. the playoffs though? I mean, he knows how to change. And, and I'd say the same for Tarasenko who knew how to change when they won as well in 19. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think that's part of the reason why you do try to make this deal. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you think they should go for it? I think they should go for it. What are your I, thoughts? I honestly don't know. I'm I'm thinking more about the logistics of it, where whatever you're offering, and the thing that I threw in there was you offer them Kravtsov and maybe a fifth rounder, or maybe you go up to a fourth rounder uh, in 2025 or something like that. You, I mean, I have- go Kravtsov third. I, I you know pump it up. Who cares? Uh, Chris, ask- am I alone on this? No, no, no. I, I'm with, I mean, here's the thing. As long as you're not moving that that first round pick. Which, no, there's no chance. Yeah. Of that. So, yeah, I mean. Well, I, don't I, even, mean I don't even think they're moving a second round pick in this situation. This is Patrick Kane says to Kyle Davidson, the Hawks GM, I only want to go to the Rangers. And Chris Drury knows that he only wants to come to the Rangers. And you say, this is what I got. Take it or leave it. You know, yeah. you're not you're not going to be doing a whole lot of negotiating because there's so many other factors that go into it, making the cap work. The other part about the cap is even as you subtract Kravtsov in, a, in presumably in this trade and you subtract Jake LeCision waivers or whatever, you're still a little bit shy of what you need right now to get the cap space at this very moment. They could probably do it by next Friday, um, but then you're stuck. Then you, you, know, you have your cap. You've got seven defensemen. You've got 12 forwards. You've got two goalies. You're playing short. You know, God forbid something happens. You, you're, you could be in a bit of trouble in terms of the regular season. You'd have to feel incredibly confident in your standing in the regular season to go forward and say, like, yeah, if we have to play with 17 guys one night, we're going to do that. Yeah. Because, because yeah. the standings don't really matter because we're locked into second or third, maybe first if they get on a big roll. These are all these are all the ways that I think. And do I think is it worth it? My feeling is this guy should go get healthy. He can still play, and I obviously, you know, I've heard plenty of reports that he needs this hip surgery. And if he goes and gets it now, and then he's fully healthy on July one, why not make that marriage then? Because Vladimir Tarasenko is not going to be a Ranger beyond this season. It just seems impossible. He's going to ask for too much money. He needs, a, he wants a longer term deal. Patrick Kane wants to be a Ranger now. He'll want to be a Ranger in July. 
And I don't know that you want to. Well, what what about this, though? You can't ice this team with those two players next year, no matter what, because of the contracts that are up on some of the younger guys. So don't you think this is the best team that you could put on the ice if Kane was there going into the playoffs in any of the next four or five seasons? Seriously. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, what about what how is you... this team going to get better? How are they going to get better unless the kids just, you know, all become 30? Well, you know, there's, you know, the caps are falling out of it. Let's say like you replaced Detroit where they we thought maybe Tyler Bertuzzi or Oscar Sundquist or one of those guys could be an option back a few weeks ago. They're not going to sell right now. But maybe Washington is. Maybe Garnet Hathaway is a possibility. A guy who's got a history with Chris Kreider. They went to prep school together. Guy who can score some goals. Can bang some bodies. He's a third, fourth line guy. Maybe that's the guy you go out and get, and you move somebody up off the kid line. Where I understand the kid line is operating at, at peak impact when the three of those guys are together. But you know, you you give yourself a few more options. You go out and get Patrick Kane. Your top six is your top six, and it doesn't matter how good the kid line is, they are never going to get more minutes or more power play time. See, but here's the thing: though. I agree. I like the gar- like Garnet Hathaway could be a good add. I, I like that. I think that makes sense. But then you start talking about okay, now we got to move Kako up, or we got to switch Lafreniere back up now into the right. Like you're 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 already shifting things around. I think you have less of an issue if the top six is set. So be it. Let the kid line be the kid line. You're going down the stretch here. They we already know that they're going to look what they're going to look like in the playoffs, presumably if they can pick up where they left off last year. It looks like they've done that. So to me, I, I don't. I have less of a problem with the top six kind of being set the way it is if you were able to add a Patrick Kane. Again, like the the thing that I keep going back to, it's it's who do you want with the puck on his stick when you need a, something to happen? And it's I'd much rather have Patrick Kane there than pretty much anybody else that in the league or anybody that would be available, you know? And you see how fired up he is this week too after a few things have fallen through that he was depending on? Absolutely, yeah. He's playing great again. <laughs> you know, and man, no, I'm serious. I, no. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm up for it because I just think that I think the team is so good on paper right now and they could just push themselves to the next level. And, and if anything ever happened injury wise, now you've got VZ to come up, you've got Goudreau to come up yep. and you know, you don't want them to start there because then you get thin quickly if there's injuries. Right. And you know, I haven't, I haven't really heard people talk about this so much. I mean, Brennan Othman, is he an option as the season goes along here? If his season ends, he, he could be in the mix, right? I think I his think Yeah, I, I think, think his I think his team is his team is good, not great in the OHL, but the you know, OHL playoffs kind of you know, they'll go a couple rounds maybe and that goes into April. I, I don't know if that's that's a guy you want to drop right in. I don't know that he's had the kind of season that you want. I don't know if he's ready physically if he's ready mentally yeah. for that sort of situation no he'd be he'd be ready for american league time which would be perfect for him and yeah. he's like long view you know look i i did the miserable t- task today of going back to watching game six against tampa bay last year <laughs> and you know that's a real heartbreaking thing to do and but before that game i was starting to watch game five and you know what really Blew my mind about that game. It was a 3-1 game. It was the empty neck goal as well for 3-1. The Rangers only got three high danger chances in that game. You know, they just they just got stifled. Yeah. You know, and you see how close this is, guys. They're right there. They were right there last year. They were right there. And they just need a little bit more. And what did they need? They needed somebody to help them get inside in that series when it got tight in games four, five, six. 
That's what they needed and they didn't get inside. And, and that's the only difference. The scoring chances were even in the series for both teams. The Rangers just got shut down. Kane, to me, gets you into, into the interior. Okay, well, can't um, argue with it. I agree. I'm. I, it's uh, it's two four and one undecided. I think is the vote here. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if Chris Jury wants to listen to us or listen to the fans or um, look at the board on his wall and try to figure out how the heck he's going to make this deal work with all of the different factors that would go into it. So he's got about uh, nine he's got days the pieces to... though, doesn't he? Aren't there? I mean, he's got he does. Got he the do, you do have the assets. I think it's just more the logistics of it, finding that third team. There's just there's just things that go into it where there's you know teams are obviously concerned with other things. That third team, Chicago, may just say you know what, Kravtsov and a, and a middle round pick just isn't going to do it for us. We'll keep the guy and we'll figure it out some other time. And you know what, so. I mean, call San Jose, call your buddy Mike Greer, take care of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to have some cap space. <laughs> well, we put on our GM hats for a second there, and the vote is get Patrick Kane. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. that's what the Garden Faithful podcast is saying. So. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Chris. This was good, spirited debate. I love it. Hey, buddy. Awesome. Chris, love having you on, buddy. Let's keep it going. Love being a part of it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right, boys. And thanks, everybody out there, for listening to The Garden Faithful. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review if you're enjoying the show. That really helps us out. And right now, get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash TGF. We'll be back next week one more time before the trade deadline. Who knows what will happen before then? Tune in. 